Philippians 2.10 testifies that every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord of all. It doesn't matter who you are or what you believe, black, white, gay, straight, male, female, vaccinated or not, there is one ultimate truth that we will all be held accountable to, and this one truth is laid out for us in Scripture. Matthew 4.4 says, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. There is no area of life that God has not addressed in His living word, and law enforcement is no exception. It doesn't matter if you're a cop, crop duster, or cobbler, policeman, plumber, or politician, you are under the direct authority of Christ, the King of Kings. And if you have, as Christ commanded in Luke 9.23, taken up your cross and followed Him, then you're right beside me as a deputy of Christ. Okay, everybody. Hello, and welcome back to Deputies of Christ. So I've tried like five times to start recording this episode and get that great intro line down and all that good stuff, and I never could. And then finally, I just decided to skip the intro line and start talking, and the time I did that, uh, my mom came in, didn't realize I was recording, and interrupted me and asked me if a random flashlight was mine. So, love you, Mom. Sorry I didn't tell you I was recording, but yeah, that kind of messed that one up. So now I'm going to restart recording, because this is life. So, here we go. Okay, so today I want to get into some more, a little more of the historical side. I hope you all liked the um, whole history of the Sheriff's Department that I did last episode. This isn't really going to be quite that in-depth, but I want to talk about the Magna Carta, um, which will require a little bit of history to get some context as to what's going on and why this stuff is important. But before that, as always, um, hiring update. What's up with my hiring situation? Uh, last time I put out an episode, I had a conditional offer from the sheriff's office, and that still stands. Um, I had to get a medical examination, a psychological examination, drug test, um, and then I believe at that point the sheriff still has to meet with the county board to approve how many deputies they're looking to hire. So, all of that's done now. I did that a couple weeks ago. I'm just waiting for the sheriff's department to contact me. I was hoping to get something yesterday or today and nothing, so maybe tomorrow, fingers crossed. But uh, the drug test, or I'm sorry, the medical examination was really easy. It was just a drug test. Goodness, bird, calm down. Um, a lung test, lung capacity. Uh, they did a visual test or vision test. Um, they had a very, very basic physical. And then they wanted to get you caught up on all vaccines. And then they had to do a TB test and a chest x-ray for TB. Um, TB test is real simple. They just inject a little um, something under your skin, basically trying to trigger a reaction from your body. And if you come back in a couple of days, and if you have a reaction, you have TB, and if you don't, you don't. Shocker, then x-ray is an x-ray. So all that's done and good. Um, and I'm just waiting to hear back in the department for a final offer. So that's cool. I did hear a final starting date, which is cool. Uh, Academy starts in July 5th, I believe. And then they'll have you report like a week, week and a half before and be around the office. I have no idea what they'll have you do, but you'll be there before they send you off to Academy, which is cool. So... Lord willing, if I do get hired, I've got just a little over a month before my first day to report would be, which is cool. Um, so yeah, now I'm just waiting, and that's cool. If you want final news, follow the Instagram page, because that's for sure where I'll be putting the first statement out. Alrighty, so with that out of the way, let's get into the topic of the day. We're going to have to go over a little bit of history to set the stage, and I'm going to take a sip of my cream soda real quick. Usually I have some fresh brewed hot coffee. And it's fantastic, but today I felt like some nice glass, you can hear the ice there, beautiful sound, nice glass of ice-cold cream soda. Good stuff. And now that I'm done for my unpaid promotion with 
A&W for their fantastic product. Here we go. <clears throat> The year is 1191. King Richard the Lionhearted of England has left his homeland with his fellow crusaders in an attempt to free Jerusalem from its Muslim captors. After one year of fighting, the war is over and he is returning home, but on his way he is ambushed and captured by Austria and then given over to Henry VI, the Roman Emperor. Okay, I'm done with that. Sorry, I just felt like doing something a little entertaining and thought some music and a cool, deep storytelling voice would do the trick. But I'm tired of doing that, so I'm going to go back to being my normal self now. As normal as I can be. Okay, so King Richard is captured and turned over to Henry VI. And while he is captive, back in England, his lovely little brother, Prince John, Yes, we are in good old Robin Hood times. This is that Prince John. Um, has overtaken the throne and claimed to be king, as anybody who knows the story is familiar. Eventually, loyalists to King Richard are able to withstand and overthrow Prince John by holding on to places such as Nottingham and Windsor Castle. This meant that when Richard finally had his enormous ransom paid and was able to return home in 1194, he returned to the throne. Now, long after this, Richard Richard died in 1199 in battle, and he had put John as the heir to the throne. Now, in doing so, he had bypassed Prince Arthur's claims to the throne, which were backed by Philip II of France, who, fun fact, had been battling with Richard over the previous decade. Now, due to John's fantastic decision, he ordered that murder of Arthur in 1203, and then Philip responded with war in 1204-1205. John didn't get along well with these people, and he also didn't get along well with the church. Soon after his ascension to the throne, he made enemies with the Pope and chose to elect a different candidate to the Archbishop of Canterbury than the Pope had originally wanted. As you can imagine, this did not make the Pope very happy, and he actually encouraged the king of France to invade, and the Pope closed all churches and eventually excommunicated John in 1209. In 1213, John was forced to accept the Pope's appointee for Archbishop. Now, due to all this unrest and war and loss of land and all this that John had been putting his realm through, the barons were not real happy with him. Shocker. Many of them had lost wealth and land. Um, some of it had been conquered by the French, um, as well as enormous losses of wealth and resources to the wars that he had been putting them through. Now, worst of all were the ridiculous taxes that had been imposed. This was the Baron's main complaint. Um, also, John overtook the Baron's courts and forced cases into his royal courts. Um, that, that was a biggie that didn't rest well with him. And then after all this, the Barons got their military gathered together in might and marched on London when John had actually asked them to get their military together and help him fight France. So they did not really agree with him on that one and turned against him. This is when he was backed into a corner when he had his own people marching against him while he was in war and not friend with the Pope. And it was at this time that they approached him with the Magna Carta and forced him to sign that historic document to restore peace and order. So that's all of the history. Now let's get into what the heck was the Magna Carta. 
The Magna Carta is a 63-long list of clauses limiting the king's power and guaranteeing the people certain rights. Um, it was a foundation of the common law, as well as um, stating the king is not supreme above all, not above the law. I mean, this is all stuff that I've said previous, and it's important, and it has... Well, I'll get to that at the end, some of the impact that it's had. But anyway, so moving on, there are 63 clauses. I'm not going to sit here and list all 63. Um, I went through and summarized them all. Also, do note that this is very old English and has been translated, and depending on what translator you go to, they will use different words. So I claim that the um, exact word sheriff is used nine times in the document, but depending on what translation you go to, I had one that only used it like three times. So just depends on where you go. But the basic role is mentioned about nine times and implied more than nine. But anyway, okay, so here's a, well, short, quote unquote, it's 32 things, but Here's a summary of what was listed in the Magna Carta, things that it mentioned and guaranteed. It started and ended by guaranteeing freedom of the church, uh, dealt with inheritance laws, handling of debts and seizure of property, limits of taxation and customs, that was a big one, like I said, limits and protections for lower county courts, that was another big one, the requirement of witnesses for accusations at all court levels, that's straight up biblical, Barons, clerks, and commoners judged by their own peers, and that does not mean all of them judging each other. That means barons were judged by other barons, clerks by other clerks, and commoners by commoners, which is kind of interesting, but that's the best impression I could get reading through this. Um, it guaranteed integrity in the court system in several ways. Um, transfers assets upon death. No forced government trading, confiscating, or borrowing. No forced payments for mandatory services. Hmm, that's a big one. No government confiscation of wood without people's consent. That was a huge one back in the day. Limit to length of time government can hold on to confiscated land of criminals. Restoration of public land. That was rivers and streams. There was a thing in there that they had to, um, I guess they had fishing nets basically implanted in the rivers, and they had to take all of those away. Then it restored any forest that the government had held claim to in some other land like that. Um, Laws regarding eviction. Universal measurement of wine and ale. That was just funny. There's all this super serious stuff, and then right in the middle, there's one about using the same measure of unit for wine and ale, and I'm just like, that is so... I'm sure there's a point and a reason, and I under just don't understand, but that's kind of funny. Uh, the land control limits of barons, so basically regulations for landlords. Uh, no bribery in the court system. I could also have got under integrity of the court system, but oh well, that's a big one. Uh, freedom of travel and trade, with the only exception being during time of war. Appointing officials who knew the laws. That was a cool one. Local church control, meaning I think it, the exact way it was phrased is when an abbey um, or convent that a baron had established is abandoned or left unoccupied, the baron maintains control of the church. Okay, investiga investigation of evil or unlawful things by knights. And this was, I think I'll explain this a little more too, but um, basically, I wish I should have read this one straight, but it was... The barons would put together a group of, I think it was 15 knights from different barons, and they would go through and investigate in their county the sheriff, the policies, the clerks, all of the different offices, and anything that was done unjustly or just messed up and weird, they would correct. So it was basically small government investigation of other agencies. It was cool. It was really cool how they... The, the document was very simple to read and very straightforward, and yet it was very informative. It was very, um, 
just the layers upon layers of information that were contained in this simple nine-page document were cool. And I don't speak old English, so I couldn't understand. I was Googling like at least one word per paragraph because I'm like, I don't think I've ever heard that word used. Uh, the release of war hostages. Disbanding of foreign military units after war. Mercenaries or hired um, cavalry or whatever it may be. Restoration of wrong, undue processes to all property, precision, banishment, basically anything that Prince John had done against anybody who was not at fault. Um, immediate stop to all unjust fees. Fair treatment of foreigners. Equal law for all despite rank. That's a big one. The 25 Baron Council, which I'll get to here in a minute. All bitterness forgiven, which is another interesting one I'll get to here in a minute. Oath of peace and goodwill, which was cool. And then... It ended once again in the last part with talking about the church. It was just like one little phrase, the church shall remain free. But I thought it was cool how they begun and ended with that line saying the church shall remain free. But okay. What is this 25 Baron Council it speaks of? Um, this is one of the longer parts of it. But basically, the barons put in here that um, all of these laws will be to be seen to. And the barons would put a council of 25 barons together. And any time that the king broke one of these regulations due to overtaxation or unjust eviction or whatever it may be, confiscation, um, the barons would find out about this and they would send a written declaration to the king. And he had 40 days to correct it. If he didn't, and it, actually this was not just to the king, this was to any other barons as well. Um, the 25 barons would be responsible to go in and confiscate the castle and lands of the offending party until the justice was restored. And then they had a whole system for when a baron leaves or is killed, then more barons shall be elected and all this. Or it was actually kind of, it was interesting. The barons, if I remember correctly, the barons would choose other barons to take their place, which was interesting. A little different. It wasn't really an election. It was more just barons choosing people to fill their spots. Um, all bitterness forgiven. That was a cool point. I really liked that. I mean, there's obviously a lot of political tension around this. I mean, like I said, the barons were not happy with the king, and now they were calling him them, or he was calling them to war to go fight his war with France because he ticked the king off. And so there's all this bitterness and enmity going around, and Prince John's, or King John, is mad at them because they just tried to force his hand into signing this document, which they did. Um, but they had a, the last section in there was all about, by the signing of this document, we acknowledge that all bitterness is forgiven. Um, we will not hold a grudge. We respect you as our king again and all this. And it was just cool to see that in there. You don't usually see stuff like that these days, but that was cool. And then it ended with an oath of peace and goodwill saying that we will uphold this and we expect you in good faith to uphold this and we will um, all once again serve our country. And then once again, it ended with freedom of the church. So now parts to go back, as I said, Sheriff was mentioned by name several times. Some of them were in very weird, specific ways that have no application, but a couple of them were in interesting ways. And I want to go talk about those. So the first one, in the fourth clause, um, it mentioned, this is when it was talking about inheritance. It said if there is, the point before I had mentioned, if the heir is not of age, there shall be a guardian. And then number four says one of the options for a guardian is actually the sheriff of that county. Um, he is to guard over the inheritance until the heir is of responsible age. And while he's guardian, he has to turn a profit. He has to have crops. He has to take care of the tenants. I mean, all of, you know, all of this kind of stuff you'd expect from a guardian. That was interesting that they would elect the sheriff to manage and guard over that until somebody was of 
page. But like I mentioned before, I said this last week's or last week's, two weeks ago, whatever. The last podcast, the sheriff's role really changed through England. Um, and it's nothing or it, it's not nothing like it is today, but it's not the same as it is today. So this may have fit very well back in those roles or in his role back then. And it just wouldn't now. But anyway, Article 14 talked about the infringement of tax laws. This was, once again, the Council of Barons, but in this one specific instance for taxation, it said the Council of Barons was to meet along with the sheriffs, uh, the clerks, the bailiffs, and one other person, I think maybe the coroner, but it was to be a really big group to meet about infringement of tax laws. And then 24 talks about the sheriff, the constable, and coroners or other bailiffs shall not hold pleas in court. Number 29 said no forced payment for services. This had to do with the sheriff. Um, he was mentioned, but it's actually more so in the next one in 30. It says no sheriff or any person is to take someone's transport without willing agreement. That was interesting. Uh, anytime I see this and I think of how this would be broken, I just automatically think back to the sheriff of Nottingham because he's like the perfect example of all of this. And that's the only context clue I have to you know, correlate to. But anyway, not everything relates to that fictional character. Um, in 45, it talks about appointing sheriffs and other officials such as know the law. Um, so that did away with the crony system of just electing people or appointing people that you know and like and keeping the ring of power going. Um, this was electing people who knew the law that had to be able to uphold it, which of course is obviously important. Okay, so that's all the ones that I'm just going to mention. There's a couple that I actually want to go read now. Um, one, so you can kind of just get an idea for how this is worded and what it's like. And then also there's some cool details that I can't summarize. It's better if I just read it. And also you can enjoy hearing me trying to read Old English, which will be entertaining. But also you have to try and follow along with Old English. So have fun with that. Okay, so I'm going to go back to one of the first ones I mentioned. This is um, Clause 14, which had to do with the king... Um, imposing unjust taxes and how they would handle that. So I'm going to read it nice and slow, and I'm going to still stutter over all the wrong pronounced words. Here we go. And for obtaining the common counsel of the kingdom annette, and the assessing of an aid, except for in the three cases aforesaid, the three previous points, or of a scottage, we will cause to be summoned the archbishops, bishops, abbots, earls, and greater barons, severally by our letters, and we will moreover cause to be summoned generally through our sheriffs and bailiffs, and others who hold of us in chief, for a fixed date, namely, after the expiry of at least forty days, and at the fixed place, in all the letters of such summons we will specify the reason of the summons, and when the summons has thus been made, the business shall proceed on the day appointed according to the counsel of such as are present, although not all were summoned to have come. So, there's that. So, let me reread in basic English. Basically, it said, um, for the obtaining of the council of the kingdom, when any of these laws are broken, except for in the three previous mentioned sections, we will cause to be gathered the archbishops, the bishops, abbots, earls, greater barons, um, and send letters to the sheriffs, bailiffs, and others who we hold in chief, or who hold us in chief, for a fixed date, which will be after the 40 days of the first warning letter. It will be at a fixed place, and letters of summons will specify the reason of the summons. And when all are there, whether they show or not, all are invited. Um, we win all. Goodness. On that day, all who are invited, whether they all show or not, they will proceed with the council of the present business. Um, so it was just cool. It was, reading Old English is fun, but um, they had I mean, they had a very specific system laid out, and it was cool to read and see that. 
Next, I'm going to skip down and read. Um, <laughs> okay, I'm going to skip down to 48. This is the only other one I'm going to like read, read. I want to read. Well, I'll get to that later. I won't read it because it's like three paragraphs long of Old English, but I do want to read it. It's cool. Okay, 48. This had to do with the knights investigating corrupt institutions. All evil customs connected with forests and warrens, foresters and warners, sheriffs and their officers, riverbanks and their wardens, shall immediately be inquired into each county by twelve sworn knights of the same county, chosen by the honest men of the same county, and shall, within forty days of said inquest, be utterly abolished, so as never to be restored, provided always that we previously have intimation thereof, or our justice here, if we should not be in England." So there again, I mean, there's so many things there in just one simple paragraph, but you have a list of specific crimes. You have um, the officers that can commit that crime. You have what is to be done about that crime, as in who is to act, who in that area is to act, um, the 12 sworn knights who are sworn officials, how they will act, and where they will act. There are timelines they must abide by, and then there's requirements for if... Um, said people are out of the country at the time. So it's like, it's very factual. It's very basically laid out. It's very, it's amazing to me that even though this is old English and I had to Google some of this and figure out what a couple of these words meant and how they linked together, you can decipher it very easily. There's no lawyer um, hodgepodge. There's no high and mighty phrases and referring to other laws and all this. It's just like, this is how the system works. And I like that because I can understand it while reading it. Okay, so that's all that I want to read. I really want to read um, Article 61, or Article Clause 61, which is all about the 25 knights that um, hold the king, or sorry, 25 barons who hold the king in check and all the other barons in check. But I really don't want to read three paragraphs of Old English. You might want to hear me read it, but I'm not going to try. I will actually read the second and maybe last paragraphs because this is cool this is um, the one about bitterness being abolished and then um, the church being free so 62 says and all the will hatreds and bitternesses that we have arisen between us and our men clergy and lay from the date of the quarrel we have completely remitted and pardoned to everyone moreover all trans or trespasses occasioned by the said quarrel from easter to the 16th year of our reign till the restoration of peace we have fully remitted to all both clergy and laymen and completely forgiven as far as the uh, as far as pertains to us and on this head we have cause to be made for these letters testimonial patient to lord to the lord stephen archbishop of canterbury of the lord henry archbishop of dublin to the bishops aforesaid and the master Pud pandulf as touching as the secretary and the concessions afford or aforesaid so that was just cool seeing that they were for making a formal statement that everything was forgiven and then the last one herefore we will infirmly order that the english country or excuse me i already messed up herefore we will infirmly order that the english church be free and that the men in our kingdom have held all the aforesaid liberties, rights, and concessions, well and peacefully, freely and quietly, fully and wholly for themselves and their heirs, of us and of ours, in all respects and in all places forever, as is foresaid. That was one sentence. In oath, moreover, this has been taken as... Goodness, bird. In oath, moreover, has been taken as well... 
as well on our part as the part of the barons, that all these conditions aforesaid shall be kept in good faith and without evil intent, given under our hand the above names, the above named and many others being witnessed in the meadow which is called, and then they have um, the lords who signed and the date. And the location, obviously. So I just, I, I liked those last two paragraphs. So I'm really surprised by how much is actually in this document, even though it's old, even though it's short. Um, it was very well written. They got their ideas across. I don't agree with everything I read in there, but they were really trying to counteract the king and his tyranny. And as is, as I've mentioned before, and I'm sure will come, excuse me, come up again. This is a major step in the way of stating that the king is not supreme. So what happened after the Magna Carta? Several weeks after the Magna Carta was signed, the Pope shot it down and kept it from becoming law. Shortly after, as in a couple months, um, due to the fact that the Magna Carta was not signed and John was still being John, civil war broke out, and that was fun. Um, the Magna Carta was still very influential, though, on many other documents signed in England later on, as well as um, Europe and then eventually the West. So now that'll take us into why does the Magna Carta even matter? I already covered most of that. You can go back and listen to previous episodes if you want more details. But this was a huge step in putting the king under the law. It's the good old Lex Rex versus Rex Rex Lex. Um, king over law or law over king. As far as in our personal history in the U.S., this had a big impact on the Bill of Rights. A lot of the Bill of Rights was based off of the Magna Carta. I guess I can't say a lot. It was a heavy influence. The Founding Fathers mentioned it, re referenced the Magna Carta significantly, and it was very heavily influential in our Bill's rights as well as just our Constitution and the setting up of our government, um, all the way down to the sheriff and other small county officials like that. So it was a very interesting historical event. I enjoyed researching it and learning about it and actually sitting down and reading through all of it and translating it and turning it into modern English. I would encourage everybody to read it. It's cool. It's simple. I think it maybe took me two hours to get through the whole thing with translating and reading everything and then making notes on it and paraphrasing everything and all that good stuff. So I hope it was helpful. I know this episode is a little choppy due to me reading Old English and the fact that I don't have a whole lot of time to edit. I just needed to record and get it out there. But there it goes. I don't really have any cool ending notes to end on. Um, I will update as I get hiring information. Like I said, I'm hoping to get a phone call tomorrow. I, yeah, I'm just waiting now. I'm getting anxious. And then if there's anything y'all want me to do a show on or talk about or anything, please let me know. Um, you can reach out to me at deputiesofchrist at gmail.com. You can message me on Instagram, deputiesofchrist. Um, I'm, I've got my ideas and shows that I'm doing, but I've, I want to make sure that I'm putting stuff out there that people are enjoying. And if there's if you enjoy the history episodes or the biblical episodes or the factual here's sheriffing today episodes, let me know which ones. I'm probably going to try and get away from the history after today because it's just a lot of history. I want to get into some more practical hands-on sheriff's department stuff, but I'm not in the sheriff's department, so I don't have a whole lot of that to share. But now I'm just mumbling and I really need to end this and move on with life. So thank you all for listening. Brothers and sisters, as true Christians, we have surrendered our lives and rights to Christ. As such, we are held to a high standard. We don't have the right to remain silent. We have been called to spread the gospel and claim ground for Christ in every area of life. Everything we say and do, we will be held accountable for in the throne room of God. So act wisely. We do not deserve representation before our Lord for all our shortcomings. But 
we have been assigned to the ultimate mediator between God and man. He has pled our case and won our freedom. Having heard these rights, it is now up to us if we choose to go forward and fulfill our calling as deputies of Christ. Thank you.